Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free, which is crazy, but it's true, at thejazzsession.com. And you can also find the episodes, at least the most recent ones, in iTunes. And you can subscribe using an RSS reader. So many ways to access the Jazz Session. By the way, some people don't know that when you go to thejazzsession.com, if that's how you listen to the show, you can also download those shows as MP3s. Of course, you can do that if you listen in iTunes. But if you just go right to the website at thejazzsession.com, there's a player for each show. And of course, you can hit the play button and listen to the show right there on your computer. But there's also a little link that says download under the player. And if you do that, you can download the MP3 and take it with you wherever you go. That's the beauty of podcasting. Also, and you knew I was going to get to this, when you go to thejazzsession.com, as I hope you're about to do right now if you're not already there, you can become a member of this show. And I want to thank uh, Matthew Kaminsky, who, this is just cool, I keep mentioning it because it's kind of neat, he's the organist for the Atlanta Braves. Kind of a cool thing to be, and uh, he's now a member of the Jazz Session. Thanks also to Eric Telford, a trumpeter and a, a personal friend of mine, who is now a member of the Jazz Session. And in fact, Eric's been a guest on the Jazz Session. So if you go to the jazzsession.com website, along the left-hand side is an alphabetical list of all the guests, and you'll find Eric Telford there, T-E-L-F-O-R-D, and check him out. What was I talking about? Oh, yes, and then while you're there, you could become a member it's super easy to do, super cheap, as uh, little as $10 a month, as little as $110 a year if you want to pay it all in one lump sum. And then there are levels that go up from that. And at the highest levels, 50 bucks a month or $500 a year, you will be mentioned on every single show. That's a good deal, right? I think it is. So uh, I've now been doing this show for just a bit over four years, and I think, I tried to count quickly in my head right after I turned the microphone on, I think this is the sixth place I've lived, the sixth dwelling in which I've lived, uh, in which I've recorded the show in four years. And they have gotten uh, progressively smaller. Really, the only thing next is to record the show in a park. Uh, I would say to record it in a closet, but I actually have already done that. Uh, so that that's a bridge I've already crossed. So really, in terms of home sizes, the only thing that's left would be to record it, you know, sleeping out in a park, I guess. So stay tuned for that. The jazz session coming to you live from the bench I'm occupying in a park somewhere in New York City. Uh, but I've just moved to Brooklyn, so uh, if you're in Brooklyn, just come on over. I'm not going to tell you the street address, but just follow the sound of my voice. And if you're nowhere near Brooklyn, then uh, you know consider yourself uh, somewhat unlucky. Apparently, the locational gods have not smiled on you. But yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'm enjoying it, and I would be enjoying it even more if I were able to say that I live in Brooklyn and 100 people are supporting members of this show. Wouldn't that be lovely? Doesn't that just sound nice, rolling off the tongue? Speaking of Brooklyn, which I was, and which we're about to be for the entire rest of the show, Brooklyn is the home base of the people who are on today's show, uh, the, the three guys behind the nonprofit organization Connection Works. These guys have put on some uh, pretty impressive concerts over uh, the last several years, which you'll hear about on the show. I've only ever seen one of them, which was with Dave Liebman, and I really enjoyed that one. And you're going to hear about uh, how the organization got started, how it continues to go, what its future plans are, and uh, the mission of bringing jazz to Brooklyn to people of all ages and also to, to kind of fostering interaction between a-list jazz artists and uh, the folks who come to the shows, which is a pretty cool idea. And oddly enough, pretty much the idea behind this show. So uh, we'll start off. I got individuals, you know, CDs from each of the guys. And uh, just at random off the top of the stack here, we'll start with music from Daniel Kelly.
My guests are Rob Garcia, Daniel Kelly, and Michelle Gentile, who are three members of Connection Works. And uh, thank you all for being on the show. Our pleasure. And we only have we have two mics, and there are four of us. So uh, I'll just tell the listeners right up front that we're going to be passing the mics around. Rob, you've got the mic, so I guess we'll start with you. Uh, can you talk about what Connection Works is? What you guys do? Okay. Well, Connection Works is a nonprofit organization um, started in 2007, and um, we present jazz concerts, um, educational events, and. Um, something we call musical dialogues where we have artists uh, who are performing in the concert. They also speak with the audience and give the audience a chance to ask questions. Um, something we find is, or we felt it was something unique and, and uh, uh, a nice element to the concerts to just give people more of an insight into the music and the artistic process and, and hopefully to get more, more people interested to help develop audiences. Yeah, I saw the show with uh, Dave Liebman at Littlefield, uh, which happened just a couple weeks after I moved back to New York, and I thought that was a great element of it. It was a, a really you know kind of cool moment after you've listened to this guy play for a while, then all of a sudden you just get to hear him talk about his experiences, and particularly in Liebman's case, he's uh, a pretty earthy conversationalist. So it was fun to to kind of hear his stories. Definitely, and just you know just his experience in this. In this in his career is just pretty amazing, and it's yeah, and just that he you know like one thing that was really cool is um, that he had a nonprofit organization back in the early '70s that he started, and they were they got they had a space they had a loft and they were doing concerts all the time. I think 300 in their first year, and yeah, <laughs> and just uh, yeah, it's just really cool to hear about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So anyone can tackle this, but can you talk about how Connection Works got started, how the idea came about? This is Rob. Well, <laughs> I came up with the idea of doing it. I was uh, kind of reading a couple books. Um, one was a Deepak Chopra book called the – I forget exactly what it's called. The Seven Somethings to Success or something like that. One of them apparently was not book titling. No. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that just kind of put me in touch with – you know, what I wanted to do, because I was kind of looking for some sort of larger project to take on in my life. And um, and then I also got a book written by Marty Kahn, who has uh, been in the jazz business for many years and, and has managed groups and, and stuff. And so he has a book called Straight Ahead, um, which is all about the business of jazz. I, I think it's the only one of its kind that's just about the jazz business. I mean, there's plenty of music business books. Um, and in that book, he is he talks a lot about the 501c3 nonprofit organization and and how it can really help propel the music. It's been done, but it's it's done a lot a lot wider in other art forms and other fine art forms, like in classical music, um, in theater, in fine arts. Um, so his his jazz business book is not just full of like bank account withdrawal slips and a sharpie for no. making a street <laughs> sign or something. No, no, no. I mean it's it's a huge book. It's like a textbook. I mean it's 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 wow. a lot of information. Yeah, and it's kind of in this question and answer uh, format. So it's very informative. And anyway, so that so he was a big advocate of the five hundred one c three, and so I said, well, maybe this could be. Uh, we could do this. Did, did you see a need yeah. that you thought needed to be addressed? Do you, I mean, obviously you had this inspiration to do this, but was it as a result of yeah. having seen the lack of this kind of organization and, and a need for it in the community? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not commonplace. I think it's becoming more, more. It's getting more into the uh, psyche of the jazz community. So I thought I, I felt there was a need for that and just kind of basing it in because I live in Brooklyn in the Brooklyn community um, to just um, there's a need for more opportunities to perform for music to develop um, I mean thinking about myself and my friends and just the greater jazz uh, community I, so I decided to look into doing it and um, I talked to did I talk to Marty first or the lawyer he recommended I think I talked to Marty First, I got in touch with Marty, who I who actually knew a little bit because he wrote a um, a press release for me uh, several years before um, for my first uh, CD that 
that was released. So I got in touch with him again, and I ended up um, hiring him as a consultant. And this lawyer that he has worked with a lot and has done lots of set up lots of 51c3s for artists named Lenny Easter. Um, I got in touch with him. And I got a uh, board of directors together. You need three people to do it. Ask Daniel. Ask Michelle. My wife is also officially on the board of directors. But <laughs> <laughs> so we actually have four four official members of the board of directors. And we and the Lenny Easter is he obviously gets he's done this so much so much he knows people at the offices knows the right people and he got our five one c three done pretty quickly um and then so that was we started in the beginning of 2007 like uh, incorporating and then we started we got our 51c3 in june of that year and then um, we did our first concert first event really is more than just a concert there was educational things and stuff in uh i think it was september or october of 2007 Uh, maybe Michelle, we can go to you. Can you talk about uh, some of the what kinds of folks come to these shows and uh, and the effect that you see from them? That's an interesting question because we've been trying to figure that out ourselves. Um, it depends on the venue. We've done now these events at three different, four actually, four or five different venues. So when we started, we started at the Belarusian Church on Atlantic in Brooklyn, uh, and. At first, we got a lot of people from the neighborhood who turned out were very interested in, in this type of music, but it was also especially convenient for them because they would see it uh, as they're walking around their neighborhood. Right. Over time, it's evolved, and now this season is particularly interesting for us because now I think it's safe to say we've developed a certain interest or buzz in the community. And this last event, which we just did with Joe Lovano, was uh, attended by a lot of jazz musicians, a lot of people that have been listening to this music all their lives. People were talking about hearing Coltrane when he was still playing the alto. Wow. And that kind of thing. So over time, it's evolved, and, and now we've got more interest from people who have who are really interested in this music um, in in jazz music in its different forms of course it's such a, a, a style that has such a wide range of of styles within it that it's hard to to pin it down to anything but um, I guess one of our determining factors is what the three of us consider most interesting at at the time you know what's really bringing this music to the next level and how do you know how do you track who's who's coming do you just through conversations that you have at the shows or do you survey the audience or how do you know who comes to the shows and where they're coming from oh that's a good question um if we were really together we'd make them go through an intense interrogation <laughs> like maybe have like some kind of screening device because 
that we we could use that information for grant applications. They always ask you, you know. Sure. But I don't feel that comfortable asking, you know, people my age and older how many times a week they have sex, you know, to determine <laughs> whether they're interested in jazz music. So we're we're working on that. But um, Rob, <laughs> yeah, oh no, it's, it's not the radio. You're welcome to be even more explicit if you like. What, Rob's working on a, a survey yeah. form. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it actually is through the conversations, through these musical dialogues, people often bring up a lot of things, personal experiences. So you see it changing, and also because we are part of this community, we see more and more our community coming out to these events. Uh, Again, to, to cite this last event, people were interested in hearing Joe Lovano in a very intimate setting, in a small concert hall where they could feel his sound without being far away or being, I don't know, at the Blue Note or the Vanguard, you're still pretty close, but it's a different setting. The concert hall, you're, you get swallowed up in that sound. I mean, it's, it's something else. People came just for that. It's also in their neighborhoods, so they're they're coming out, and and as I say to answer your question, it, the community that we are part of is now there, and we know them, so we see them out there, and it's it's really uh, validating. <laughs> Is it fair to say that building that kind of community, in all senses of that word, but a, a very specifically geographically targeted community, is that one of the goals of Connection Works? I, I don't know if it's... Uh, I would have to say yes in the sense that this community is one of the richest on the planet for this type of music. Um, and yet... Although there's there's a wealth of venues, there's small venues in Brooklyn, and um, I think there could be a lot of development or evolution in that sense, where the Brooklyn community is coming out to hear these amazing Brooklyn musicians developing stuff that's that's recognized worldwide. When a lot of the community that we're part of travels to be it Italy, Spain, or Brazil, the halls are full. And yet when they're playing in Brooklyn, there's five people or ten people and they're all musicians. So I think that that is one of the objectives is to somehow get the people of Brooklyn to recognize this incredible treasure that they're surrounded by. Daniel, let me uh let me ask you, can you talk about your own personal experience inside Connection Works? what it's been like for you to see the people who come to interact with the artists that you've had a chance to play with through the concert series? Just talk a little bit about what it's meant to you as a musician to be part of this organization. It's been a great experience, actually, and I'm really excited to be part of a, a nonprofit like Rob was saying. I feel like all the other art forms uh, have nonprofits as their basic structure, dance companies, symphonies, you know, uh, 
So, you know, it's been really cool to kind of step outside the club atmosphere, the CD label atmosphere, and create, like, uh, our own momentum um, that we're kind of constantly, you know, with Connection Works. And it's also something that we can constantly shape and hone each season when we get together. And we were actually doing that before you came. We are talking about, like, how we want to... Uh, you know, direct our efforts toward next season. What do we want to focus on? What do we want to change about last season? What do we want to keep the same? Um, in terms of my personal experience, you know, it's been great because we've been able to present amazing groups who are, you know, playing all around the world and amazing names, but we've also been able to perform with them. So as Michelle said, the last concert we played with uh, Joe Lovano and Scott Colley. And they played with, with our group, our core group of Rob, Michelle, and I. It's called Works. And that was really fun. And the gig before that was with Dave Liebman. But also, we're uh, you know, playing as our trio a couple times this season, you know, developing the music that we've written and you know, the dynamic that we work with this unique instrumentation, you know, our personalities. So it's been interesting, um, you know, kind of being artists and playing together in that way, but then also being, you know, arts performing organization organizers and interacting in that level as well. So um, I've grown a lot from that experience in terms of just, you know, what are you going to do as a, a jazz musician to, to make your career move forward? And it's been really... Uh, you know, a great experience being part of a nonprofit and this this group to do it. And I would imagine it's given you some new insight into what it takes to put on a, a concert series and to put butts in the seat and to put the press out and all of those kind of things that go into just more than just playing the music. Right? Exactly, exactly. And writing grants. You know, we've written grants right. and received them, and that's a whole other world of <laughs> knowing how to do that. Yeah, so having that kind of experience now, it's been almost five years of um, – you know, kind of being a business person in a way, like it, I think it's helped all of our individual cr uh, careers as band leaders as well. You know, we kind of had this kind of uh, experience and insight into how to present a concert, what all the things you need to think about in terms of putting one on, you know, and, and organizing the, the music alone is one thing, but then how are we going to get the, the people to the concert? It's definitely, you know, it's been a cool experience that way. And this is Rob, and I want to add to that that we look forward to the day when we can just go in and play music and have other people, other people <laughs> right. do all the organizing and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah. Work yourself out of a job, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's it, anybody can take this, but it um, it strikes me that in some ways you guys are doing in Brooklyn here what many other smaller communities in America already do uh you know like the milwaukee jazz scene or the you know tucson jazz scene wherever it might be where it's not a new york they've they've learned to harness the people in their community who are interested in that kind of music and bring them to a specific like small group of geographic locations whereas in new york there are so many opportunities that i sometimes feel like it's actually more challenging to build that sense of community in a city this large where all the greatest names in the world are always playing just a train right away. So it sounds like you guys in many ways are, are almost rebuilding that idea of geography here in Brooklyn as opposed to, you know, across the bridge. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like that. I mean, I, right, in, in Brooklyn um, and, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think I know what you mean. There's a lot of, like, jazz societies yeah. all around the country. Um and kind of like what Michelle was saying, just like we have um, – there is a jazz community. And actually, I mean, the jazz community in New York, it, it's bigger than any other place, I would say. But it's still small. I mean, we go out to jazz club. I go out here people at jazz clubs. I see the same faces. You see all you the know? same people yeah. all the time. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's always growing. There's always more people. But, um, but like Michelle was saying, uh, in developing – a bigger audience, developing more awareness for this music. Um, you know, when you hear these amazing musicians playing in Brooklyn or even Manhattan, and there's just a few people in the audience, and and um, yeah, so we're working, we're working with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a small anecdote about seeing the same faces. The other day, I saw a guy post online a photo from the Downtown Music Gallery of Derek Bailey playing, like ten years ago. And behind Derek Bailey were four people standing. 
And just a week before, I had been to the Downtown Music Gallery to see a show, and three of those four people <laughs> were sitting in the front row right next to me. <laughs> That's perfect. What happens... This is Michelle. Uh, what happens when those three people can't make the right, gig? Exactly. <laughs> There's only one person at the gig. <laughs> Just Derek by himself back in the day. Um, so, Michelle, since you've got the mic, can you talk about where uh, kids factor into this and and what the organization does to bring jazz to younger people? Well, that's interesting because uh, actually kids have been an integral part of the organization from the very beginning. We have from the very beginning when we started talking about this. We tried to figure out ways to develop interest in, or encourage rather than develop, because I think the interest is there, in the younger generation of musicians. And it's always interesting when you look at um, this kind of music and who's actually going out there. To, and this ties into the question you asked earlier. A lot of the audience, if they can afford it, are young musicians, because they understand the music, they're studying the music, they're really invested in it, and they're going out to the gigs. So it's nice to give them an opportunity to develop their own playing in, in a low-pressure situation and help them out in some way. We have maybe like 300 years experience between the three of us here. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, wow, you're all very well preserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's pizza. Yeah, pizza does the trick. <laughs> um, no, but you know, we've been playing for a long time, and and for a kid who's 12 or 15 or somebody who's 23 who hasn't been playing that much, to get up in front of their peers or a group of 20 people they've never seen before and play through a tune and then have us comment on it and suggest maybe you could do that like a hundred times slower and it'll sound better. And when they do it a hundred times slower, it does sound better. It, it's, it's, I think, a very positive experience. So we've in, used that from the very beginning. Uh, in, at the beginning, as Rob was saying, we did the workshops the same day. So we'd be doing like a three-hour workshop during the day or a two-hour workshop and then run around getting the setup for the concert and then do a 12-hour concert and we'd be dying by the end of it. So and now we've split them up so that the days are not the same. But it's, it's really a rewarding experience because uh, I think each one has been different depending on which group uh, presents at these workshops. But every time we're able to uh, encourage them to do things, whether it be rock, jazz, classical, we've had everything, you know, pop, singer, songwriter, sitting alone at the piano. And uh, I think our experience is varied enough that we're able to make a couple of suggestions here and there and take it to the next level. And it's, it's really exciting to see that happen.
great. And is there another one of those coming up in the near future? Another one of those workshops? I'm going to pass the mic to my associates. This is Rob. Yes, there's one coming up on June 4th, Saturday. And uh, that'll take place at the Douglas Street Music Collective at 3.30. uh, 3.30 to 5.30. And uh, Douglas Street Music Collective is at 295 Douglas Street in uh, Gowanus, between 3rd and 4th Avenue. Buzzer number one. (laughs) <laughs> and if if anyone's interested in signing up, um, you can let's see, you can go to our website connectionworks.org and contact us through there and and say you're interested in the workshop. And Does the workshop cost money? Uh, no, it's free for all participants. We ask for we have a small suggested donation for adults um, who want to attend, um, but it's free. We offer this uh, as a free service. That's great. Yeah. Uh, anyone can take this too, but can you talk about where you see connection works heading as you've, I'm going to, one of these days going to knock this off the table, uh, as you kind of analyze what's happened in the last couple seasons, has it given you, it sounds like, I think Daniel said, it sounds like it's given you ideas about where you want to go in the future. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of heading, <laughs> we were just talking about this earlier today, um, kind of towards original ideas of, of what this would be, um, of having a place for groups to develop work, to develop as a group, to develop chemistry, and also to develop new material. Um, so we would like, I think the direction we want to head in, and this is, you know, all under works, but um, is to, to have more more events, more opportunities for for groups to perform and eventually to have our own performance space. Um, that would be fantastic. And um, yeah, Daniel, we're all, we're, this is Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) No, we were also talking about commissioning work. The last concert of our season is a commission that we did with composer Joel Harrison through um, meet the composer. Yeah. It's coming up. It's on May 11th. And it's a big band piece he wrote. 20 people are going to be on stage. And uh, we, we're playing in the piece as well. It's an amazing piece of uh, music, actually. And great musicians. The lineup is awesome. Um, you know, we had the rehearsal yesterday. And, yeah, all the greats are playing. Tons of great players. And um, Who's in there? Who's so playing? to see Marty Ehrlich is playing, Andy Laster, Kermit Driscoll's playing bass. Is Donnie McCaslin playing the gig? Oh, yeah. Donnie's playing the gig. Um, you know, Shane Ensley. Shane Ensley, yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. And, and about 20 other people. <laughs> so it's going to be a huge sound. And uh, so we're thinking more about the creation of new work and using Connection Works to do that. And I'll just note that, sadly, for those listeners who uh, don't own a time machine, it will have passed by the time this show airs because I usually record these interviews about a month before the mm, show comes out. Okay. So people will have, unfortunately, missed it. Uh, and, Michelle, it looked like you wanted to add something. Yeah, sorry. No, that's this fine. This is one thing I wanted to add to, to what you guys are saying. Um, in the classical world, if you present or commission a piece and, uh, and, and rehearse the piece, you're going to get anywhere between three to ten rehearsals on a piece of, of music that, that is uh, involved and advanced. And in the jazz world, unless you have a band that's touring for three months, you can't afford to do that. So ideally, it would be fantastic to be able to develop work that that you can't do in another context and actually have 10 rehearsals, you know, with... with uh, I was just talking earlier. With some of the, We were throwing some ideas out and maybe a chamber concerto or, or whatever it might be, but actually be able to rehearse the work. And what is it that would allow you to do that? What would Connection Works provide that would allow you to do that? Well, Connection Works being a nonprofit can apply for these grants, and we've been to date quite successful with the grants or successful enough that we would have been able to continue it. But uh, it would be really nice to fund these projects in a thoroughly professional and supported way which you can't do otherwise. And that would mean that artists, for example, get paid for the rehearsal time so that they don't have to give up a paying gig to come and work on this new music. Exactly. I mean, you need to do that in this in this day and age. Jazz musicians are struggling enough as it is, so if, if a $100 gig comes up, that's it for the rehearsal. You can't. 
you know, unless you're paying them a grand for, for the gig and you're doing two rehearsals, then fine. But otherwise, we're all trying to make ends meet. So by funding these projects adequately, we could develop the music to a f far greater degree. And I think that's something we would all love to do. Can we take a moment and talk about each of you individually as musicians? And Michelle, since you have the mic, maybe you can start and just talk about uh, some of the projects that you're involved in. Certainly. I'm a flute player. Uh, I have been for most of my very long life. And um, people always ask me, how come I only play the flute? It's because I'm very stubborn and slow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's taken me a very long time to figure out how to play the flute properly so that I could feel some degree of satisfaction with that. Now I'm ready to move on to something else, but it's too late because <laughs> people won't pay me for anything else. By the way, I thought you sounded amazing with uh, Dave Liebman together with the, the soprano flute combination. I thought it was really, really gorgeous, uncommon and gorgeous. It, it, well, that's a challenge for my instrument. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it because I... I believe that it often goes very well <laughs> with a lot of instruments, but it's so um, unusual that people don't immediately think of it. So that's one of my goals in life <laughs> is to try and bring that, uh, make that obvious to other people. But uh, to come back to what you were asking about, the, uh, my own projects include a duo, uh, the Gentili Romano duo, which is flute and acoustic guitar and uh, it's been really exciting I'm, we're finishing up a new CD of all original music I have a trio and a bunch of different projects that you know like everybody else we're all working on and I want to keep working on writing more music that brings together all the elements of uh, all the elements of music that I'm interested in which is includes anything from Pygmy music, which uh, was featured in my composition during that Liebman gig, to Ligeti and Nancaro and all the music that I find exciting and that we need to uh, integrate into this improvised music. And so that is the that's the end goal where your compositions are concerned is to bring these diverse influences and kind of uh, broadcast them through the lens of your own composition. I'm I'm not sure that it's a goal necessarily but it's a natural uh result of mm -hmm. my research yes uh, i'm i'm not particularly interested in styles i don't care what the style is uh, all i'm interested in is quality and for me that means an integration of all the available elements and in our day and age that's a huge range but i think that there are things that have not yet been uh, developed in our music that will be very, very exciting in the future. Yeah, that's great. Rob, can you talk? Uh, answer the same question? Yeah, so um, I play the drums, and I'm a composer as well. 
my current project that I lead is called the Rob Garcia Four. It's a a group with Noah Preminger on tenor saxophone, Dan Tepfer piano, and um, Johnny Bear on bass. There have been other bass players, but this is a group I'm about to record with um, this coming Friday, and um, and so I'm very excited about that. Um, we have uh, one CD out so far called Perennial on the Brooklyn Jazz Underground Records. Um, came out in November 2009, and um, it's I, I really like playing with with, the, with this group, with these musicians. Um, playing with them over the past couple of years, I feel. I mean, from from uh, from the beginning, it, I feel the chemistry has been there, and um, it's just gotten better. Um, uh, it's really developed, and I really trust them, and just. It's it's really it's really fun. Um, I'll just self-servingly mention as we're yeah. recording this that uh, today's show uh, Noah is on and Dan has been on before and John is on an upcoming show. So oh, so your entire band is well there represented you, on the uh, there you go on the there you go. <laughs> Yeah, and then of course I'm I I'm a freelance musician as well as I play in lots of different groups and one-time things and other projects and sure. and such things and been doing that for for a long long time. Um, played in in I played a lot of traditional jazz as well, um, which uh, a few years ago I kind of made a decision to do a little less of that. I mean, I still do some of that, but but just to made a decision to sort of focus more on on what I really want to do with my musical musical career as opposed to just letting it happen and right. and taking whatever gig comes along and, and, and that sort of thing. Cool. Daniel? Cool. This is Daniel. <laughs> um, yeah, so the thing that I'm working on right now that I'm really excited about is a commission that I got from Flushing Town Hall to write a new work that's going to be performed there on May, May 21st. And um, it's called Raconto, A Sounding of Community Voices. And what I've been doing is spending the past several months going to Flushing in Queens, which is this insanely diverse community. Uh, when you get out of the train there, it feels like you're in China. You know, there's a Chinatown, there's a Koreatown, there's, you walk a few blocks and there's a huge, um, you know, Indian and Pakistani community. So I've been reaching out to all, all different types of people in the community and interviewing them and talking to them about their experiences, a lot of their immigration experiences and their work life and their family life. I've been talking to kids at schools and high schools, uh, seniors at senior centers, so that's been, uh, and then also people working in their businesses, just going to um, setting up interviews and meeting a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And it's been fascinating to me, actually, to have the experience to have uh, a reason to sit down with somebody for an hour and talk to them about their life. So it's been really, uh, a lot of interesting things have come up. I've been editing that, the recordings and working the voices of the people I've been talking with into the music that I'm writing. Oh, great. So when we're performing live on stage, um, these voices will be coming in and out of the music, and music will be built around them as well. It's kind of based off of a CD that I did a few years back called Duets with Ghosts, where I had old recordings of um, people. Uh, one was my great-grandfather. That's kind of what started the whole thing. I started improvising music around that with my band. You know, I'd play him through the CD player, uh, through the amp, and then we'd hear him and start improvising with him and that led me to start connecting interviews with people using old recordings of recordings of chain gang chants and things like that that are on that record that we kind of harmonized and and wrote music around and the the, the band that's playing this uh concert is actually i'm really excited about too because it's um just I'm, it's a new group and i'm really excited about uh you know the wealth of talent uh reza bossi the amazing guitarist is playing satoshi takeshi's playing drums um, Yoon Sun Choi is playing, is singing, and uh, bassist Dave Ambrosio, and I have a special guest Min Xiao Fen, who's an amazing pipa player. This Chinese instrument, which is kind of like a lute, and there'll actually be other musicians uh, who have recorded. So we'll be hearing other musicians playing other instruments as well and singing songs that'll be coming from the interviews that I've taken. So that's a a project that's kind of consuming me right now, and I'm really excited about. Yeah, it. that sounds really great. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun, man. And, um, how did you even uh, just uh, for my own interest? How did you even get a commission to do something like that? It sounds like a 
pretty crazy thing to yeah <laughs> to, I, be asked to do. Exactly. Well, no, I proposed it. Oh, okay, great. I proposed great. it to the uh, the presenters of Flushing Town Hall, and I had been there before performing with other people, so we were acquaintances and friends. And actually, the um, actually for years now, they think about it. I've known them for years. So we knew each other, and, and so I said, you know, I'd love to have this, I, you know, I have this idea, I'd love to propose it to you, see if we can do it. And they loved it, and we had, you know, lunch over Korean food, and, it, you know, so every time I go there, I have to eat to Flushing, it's outrageous. <laughs> like, what do you want to eat? Vietnamese? Chinese? Korean? What? Indian? So that's a total blast. But, um, no, I proposed the idea, and it's kind of through this, ex- through this organization, ConnectWorks, that, you know, we've been writing grants, and I kind of felt more comfortable doing that. So actually, I applied for a grant. Uh, we applied for a bunch of grants, but uh, we, Flushing Town Hall and myself, uh, applied for a grant uh, through NISCA, and we got it. I was totally blown away. Um, so it, it's happening. You know, we're, we're doing the piece. So Yeah, so those uh, the skills from Connection Works uh, coming home to roost. And, it actually yeah, did. It actually, yeah. it actually did, yeah. yeah. It was cool. And, um, and yeah, I also play with my trio. Um, with uh, Jordan Perlson on drums and Chris Terry on bass. We're doing a gig on May 8th for a family concert series at Douglas Street Music Collective as well. Um, but, you know, we've done some little tours here and there and have a, a CD as well called Emerge, which I, I really like. And that's a... It's fun. It's, uh, you know, I play piano, but I also play keyboards on it. And we kind of... Those guys are kind of like a, a unit. You know, they play together so much. You know, sometimes there's certain bass drum combinations of... You see these people popping right. up on everyone's records, and they have a cool thing because they, they, um, they can really like rock out, which is something I wanted to do with the trio. So there's a lot of rock influence in that group as well. That's cool. Well, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to all three of you, and uh, thank you for the time and, and for what you're doing to bring jazz to this community. Thanks very much, all of you. Thanks for having us, Jason.
Thanks to the guys from Connection Works for appearing on the show. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at thejazzsession.com. You'll also find it in iTunes or via an RSS reader, and the links for all of those things are at thejazzsession.com. You also will find the join button at thejazzsession.com. I need your help to keep this show going. There are fewer than 30 shows until number 300, and there are about three dozen members of the show, and I'm looking to have 100 by the time the the 300th show rolls around. So that's a bit of a hill to climb, but with your help, I'm 100% sure we can do it. So let's, let's do it together, shall we, folks? Thank you. What else have I got to tell you? Nothing. That's it. I'm done with you people. So get out there, turn off all this electronic junk, and uh, go see some real human beings. Go out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye.